This is a story about leaving home and returning home again. It's a story about letting go and regaining what was lost. It is a story about looking away and then looking back at oneself. It's a story about a son. One son, kind of a spoiled brat, really, the youngest son. I don't know if that's typical, but uh, it happens. The selfish and self-centered son. And he gets the idea of going off and squandering his father's money. And he asks his father for whatever money he might receive after he dies. Can I have that money now? And you got to understand how, uh, how awful a request that is. It, it's a bad request now, but even in, particularly back then, to say to a father, give me my inheritance now, it's the equivalent of saying, you know what, I wish you were dead. It's saying, I hate you and I wish you were dead. Now, those of us with children know that's not an unusual thing to come from kids' mouths, but this guy really followed through with it and said, give me my inheritance now and I'm going to go away and pretend like you're gone. And the father, I can't imagine this, but the father says, okay. And he gives him his freedom to go out there and make all those mistakes he's going to make. This is, again, another unprecedented choice. And unusual. And I'm sure we can all imagine how hard it would be to watch as this son, filled with contempt and anger, goes out looking for joy in places he will never find it. I can picture this father. I can sense his grief. And not a day would go by when he did not think of his son and wonder where he was and wonder what was going on. And I'm certain that he would go over every possible thing he could have done differently to bring his son into a full and abundant life. And I can imagine him praying every night through tears that his son would come home. And of course, this young man quickly sees the error in his judgment when he finds himself penniless, alone, and lonely, eating with pigs, trying to figure out what to do with his life. And the text says, But when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired hands have bread enough and to spare? But here I am dying of hunger. I will get up and I will go to my father thinking maybe he'll just hire me as one of his hired hands. I know I don't deserve to be his child anymore, but maybe he'll just let me work for him because I know that my, in my father's house 
there is justice and workers are well cared for and taken care of. And you see, this son realizes that even though he's blown the good thing he had, he knows that there he will find the things he needs. So he gets up and he starts for home. And at this point, the father sees him far off, coming up the road, and runs to him, to embrace him. And here again, this is another unusual and odd thing that Jesus throws in here because you got to understand shame's a big deal shame and dignity and honor and all of those things this is a big deal much more so than it is now uh, honor and shame were big things at the time when Jesus was around and this father you got to picture this father dignified the the paterfamilia the head of the household has enough land that he has servants working it. Big man on campus. I mean, the guy, right? Dignified in his Armani suit, right? And but this is not what this is not what he does. He gets up from his chair, and you gotta understand, he's wearing a big robe like I am. I'm gonna demonstrate to show you how ridiculous. He's wearing a big robe like I am. And to run in these things, he's gotta scoop it up, right? He's gotta scoop it up and run. You know, run around. Undignified, as I have just demonstrated. <laughs> Very undignified. But so much was the love this father had for his son. I don't care if I look foolish. I don't care if people laugh. I love my son, and here he comes. My prayers have been answered. Full of emotion. Now, I don't have to point out that in this story, this is God, right? In the story, <laughs> the father. <clears throat> then we have this other son. The story goes on. It'd be a great story if it just stopped there, right? You know, it'd be a story of, be a story of redemption. It'd be a story of return. It'd be a story of God's love and rejoicing when we. Even though we stray as often as we do, when Jesus comes, uh, when God comes and embraces us. But the story goes on. And we have this older son, you know, the responsible one. Always did what was expected, always did what was asked, never got, never gave mom and dad hassles. And really resented the whole thing. <laughs> Built up this resentment over years. You know, and I suspect he too wishes he could rebel against his father at times. I bet he too wishes he could run off and squander some money. And in a confrontation, he reveals that he really just wanted to take from his father, just like his other son did, and be with his friends. Here is a young man who did what was expected, 
and yet felt just as lost and disconnected from his father as the other son. Feeling that his efforts were an obligation in the hope of getting some joy later on. Slaving away and feeling like a slave and resenting all the things that came. Maybe even fulfilling his duty to his father and his household out of fear. Fear of what his father's anger might look like. Fear of being alienated. Always resentful. Always feeling like he was sacrificing. And the father seemed stunned when he finally did let out his true feelings. You mean you didn't understand that I loved you? You mean you didn't understand that there is nothing that I wouldn't give you? All that I have is yours. You can have anything you want. Whatever you want. I'm, I'm sorry you didn't understand that. And once again, I, I can feel this father's grief for his older son. Filled with that resentment and that hurt. You know, we know this story as the prodigal son in reference to the frivolous way the son spent his father's money. That's what prodigal means. And we often relate to this particular son, hearkening to a time when we ourselves, lost and afraid, were without hope, without resource. And those of us, like myself, who took a long way home, can't help but reflect on our own journey back to God and receiving the amazing grace that we sing about today. And this is definitely a story that calls us home. This is definitely a story that says, come back and feel the warmth of your Father's embrace. Come back and see the joy on God's face when you do. However, it must be observed that this story from the mouth of Jesus is not directed to those who were lost, was not directed at those who were disenfranchised, was not directed to those who were left out and lonely. It was directed to the Pharisees. You see, they were scoffing at Jesus. If you were to go back in your Bible a little bit, a few verses earlier, what you see is the Pharisees scoffing at Jesus because he ate with people that they thought were unworthy of God's love and attention. He ate with sinners, with tax collectors, with prostitutes, with people of ill repute, with foreigners, with people that Pharisees thought God had forgotten. And Jesus tells a story about a lost coin and looking for that coin and rejoicing when it's found. And he tells a story about 99 sheep and a shepherd leaving that 99 to find the one, which seems like a bad idea, really, but uh, that's the story Jesus tells. Probably another sermon. I won't get into it. And he tells this story, and they are each directed at the Pharisees. The Pharisees, who in the Gospels always represent the religious aristocracy and who epitomize hypocrisy. This story is told for their benefit. And the religious people were symbolized by the older brother who represented the attention the father gave 
who resented the attention the father gave to the younger son, just as the Pharisees resented Jesus spending time with sinners. And this parable is deliberately left open-ended. We don't know what the older son did in response to his father. It's left for the reader to respond and bring the story to an end. And while many of us may have been lost in our past, in truth, for us to locate ourselves within this story, we cannot ignore the father's words to the older son. Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. But we had to celebrate and rejoice because this brother of yours was dead and has come to life. He was lost but now is found. We enjoy all that God has given us here at First Baptist Church. We care for it and give it our resources to keep it in great shape. We enjoy the bounty of God's provision together in meals and times of fellowship. And we are lavished with the love God has provided through each other. Thank God for this church family. Thank you for each other. Amen. Where would we be without one another? And all of this has been brought to us by God for our edification, for our nurture and our support that we might grow into the fullness that God has in store for us. Yet we cannot forget the brother who is not here, the sister who is not here. Jesus challenges the Pharisees and seems to be saying to them, You have lost a coin, don't you see? Why have you not looked for it? You have lost a sheep. Why do you not go out looking for it? Why don't you put these little notes up around the town offering a reward? You have lost a brother. What are you doing here? I wonder if the father wondered, Why didn't you go get him? Why didn't you care after him? You're the oldest brother. Why did you let him go? Why didn't you talk some sense into him? We are challenged today to remember that we have been blessed with so much so that we might be a blessing to others. We have been empowered and gifted and called to go out to invite our brothers and sisters home. Just as important is the question of what will they get? What will they find when they come home? People who have been searching, hurt, or marginalized, they're thinking like this younger brother. Perhaps if I go to my father's house, I can be a servant because I know I'm not worthy to be called a son or a daughter. Yet it is God's de desire that through Christ we all have the right to be called children of God, as it says in John. We are called to kill the fatted calf, to bring out the finest robes, and to celebrate in honor of those who have come home. And the question this text leaves with me is, so what does this look like in Salt Lake City and for First Baptist Church? These are good questions. And I'll be honest with you, I don't know. I have no idea what that looks like for us here in this city. 
I know that it means that we will be called to redeem the church to a world that has grown suspicious of our motives. And a world that is suspicious for good reason, I have to say. It means overcoming perceptions that church-going Christians are bigoted, elitist, superstitious hypocrites who want our money and who hate all kinds of people. We no longer live, I'm sorry to be the bearer of this news, but we no longer live in a world where the assumption is that people who go to church are good people. Or that the clergy are respected leaders in the community. Or that having a church in your neighborhood is a good thing. People don't automatically believe that now. That day is gone. And so we are called to redeem the church in the eyes of a hurt and a cynical world. I also know that it means that here at First Baptist, when on the rare occasion we have our brothers and sisters find their way here, when they want to come home, that we have the opportunity to make them feel like they are beloved children of God. We have an opportunity to be a place of healing, a safe place to get reacquainted with the Father with God in heaven. A loving and supportive place that says whoever you are, I'm borrowing this from the United Church of Christ, whoever you are and wherever you have been, you are welcome here. And you belong here. So how many times, there are so many people that even just come to our building. And how do we have, we we have that opportunity whenever someone is here to say God is here and God is wants to lavish some love on you and wants to invite you home back to a deep and meaningful relationship. So I look forward to the future and our partnership in continuing to answer the call as we have for over a century, fully confident that while the world has changed and we must change with it, That as it says in Romans, neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, you have called us home. Yet you have made us aware that There are so many brothers and sisters still not with us. Guide us. Give us a sense of your call, a sense of your leading, and show us how to be your faithful servants, to be your children, and to show your love to a hurt and a cynical world. In the name of Jesus Christ we pray. Amen.